0: Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Grainy here with another usual quick reminder to subscribe wherever you podcast and of course if you can't find us shoot me a line egraney at postmedia.com or very easy to find on Twitter at Emma L. Uh, and let me know where you want to listen to us and I'll do my darndest to get us on there. Enjoy this week's episode of Fun and Frivolity around Alberta politics. Hooray! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I'm your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney, and it is Friday, April 6, 2018, and this is the Bills, Bills, Bills edition. With me today, my colleague Claire Clancy at the Legislature. How are you? I'm cold and fantastic. Well, I guess you're not at the Legislature now, are you? You're here in the,
1: here in the lovely studio.
0: Yeah, it is cold. It's gross. April, what are you doing? Paula Simons. Hello. How are you?
2: I am well, thank you.
0: Excellent. I like your scarf.
2: Thank you. I, w- I walked the dog today wearing, you know, long underwear and wool pants, and um, it, it's really cold out there. Damn you,
0: Alberta! And Graham Thompson. Good morning. How are you?
3: I'm fine. It's a nice spring day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is not Always true. Always the outsider. It's, it's, it's what the late Larry Langley used to call fresh. It's very fresh <laughs>
3: Invigorating
0: Well, that's probably Brisk. true I suppose. <laughs> so this week, we're going to be talking about bills First off, which was probably the biggest bill to be introduced Was the bubble bill It's a uh, bill to outlaw protests within 50 metres of an abortion clinic We'll briefly also talk a bill about a bill Talk about a bill About uh, local food, just very, very briefly And finally, we're going to talk about bills in another sense Real cash money bills That's right, we're talking party fundraising Woohoo I'm the only and, and, one and who's excited Premier's about that. And the Premier's trip
3: as well to New York.
0: Graham is obsessed with the Premier's trip to for New York. For which we will have to pay bills. Yeah. Aha! Uh-huh. Aha! Look at that. Oh, you guys. Good job. Let's start off there with the abortion bill. Sorry, not the abortion bill, the bubble bill, as I've been told to call it. So, Clancy,
1: you covered this. Yeah, so Bill 9. Uh, we knew that this was coming because the Premier hinted at it uh, kind of a few weeks ago, At um, actually during the press conference for the throne speech. The NDP said they were exploring legislation um, that would bring Alberta in line with other provinces like British Columbia and Ontario. Um, so what the bill proposes is creating a 50-metre safe zone around um, abortion clinics There are two clinics in Alberta That perform more than 75% of abortions um, So this Legislation would apply to those those uh, Specific clinics, it's the Kensington Clinic in Calgary and the Women's Health Options Clinic in Edmonton um, What's also interesting is that The rules would prevent people from taking photo or video of anybody who's within uh, the zone, even if they're standing outside. Does that happen a lot now? Um, yeah. So apparently it has been an issue for these uh, for these clinics, and they say that it's actually been escalating in the last few years. Um, I've spoken to an anti-abortion group in Edmonton as well, the Back Porch, uh, which has a building directly opposite the clinic, and um, they said that it's peaceful protesting. They haven't seen any intimidation or harassment. But anecdotally, uh, physicians, staff, and, uh, and patients have been saying that there is har- harassment happening when they're trying to access this legal health care service. You know,
2: it, it, it is a challenge always. Um, when Women's Health Options moved to their current location, which is not far from my house, uh, there were quite a few people in the neighborhood who were very concerned about you know what this would mean for, you know, security and peace of the neighborhood. I have to say that compared, because I am older than you guys, I'm very old, and I, I remember I remember when there used to be really nasty protests outside of clinics. That hasn't happened in a very, very long time. I mean, I support the bill. I mean, I, I think that you have every right to protest and every right to freedom of speech. Um, I don't think you have a right to get in people's faces and harass them uh, when they're in the midst of what's a very very personal decision and frankly women's health options doesn't just perform abortion i mean people go people go there to have iud's they go there for birth control counseling not everybody who goes in the door is having an abortion so to be to be harassing people as they go in is just it's just rude and it's unconscionable that said this is not actually that big a Problem, and I can't help but wonder if some of the some of the reason to do this is to wrongfoot Jason oh, Kenney. Well, you're, you <laughs> you're just a cynic,
3: just a cynic.
0: I was going to ask you about
2: that politically. <laughs> yeah, course. well, if it's not a huge problem, Graham, well, exactly. it
0: looks like you've got thoughts on this.
3: Well, this is yeah, this is just it. You know, and Paula's right. You now we go back to the uh, decades ago and the the, the big protest when Morgan Thaler set up clinics, and there was massive protests. I mean,
2: this is the the 30th anniversary, right? I mean, you know, this is – you have to be old like me to remember covering things 30 years ago.
3: Or young like me to remember (laughs) these
2: things. (laughs) But the thing is, yes, and they're bringing
3: us in. Other provinces have it, and they're doing the right thing. But, of course, this is exactly – we're looking at this in terms of a uh, a skeptical eye with the NDP trying to create –
0: never be skeptical. Set up
3: traps for Jason Kenney on the issue of abortion. Of course, Kenny has shown in the past he's he's against abortion personally he mm-hmm. does not endorse abortion, but he has said before he's not going to bring his personal views into politics. But this is a way for the um to saying
2: he does not endorse abortion is I
1: think Well yes. I mean, I mean,
2: <laughs> I mean Jason <laughs> Kenny has spent his entire adult life being vehemently opposed to abortion. Yeah,
3: he you know he's he's a devout Catholic and, and um So he's very religious on this point, and uh, he's not bringing it in, though he says, into his own personal views into politics. But having said that, the NDP knows where he stands, and they're bringing this issue forward and hoping to, as Paula said, wrong-foot the UCP, hoping to get them into some sort of problem by making them look like they're social conservatives on an issue dealing with abortion. Even though, of course, this bill has nothing to do with actual abortion no, it's the bubble bill.
0: This is going to end up being, and Clancy, I know we were talking about this in the press gallery the other day that the real one at the ledge, <laughs> as opposed to the, podcast, the podcast one. one. Um, but this is going to probably turn into the Bill Twenty Four debate around GSAs in schools because well, what you end up to. with, yeah, because well, that's yeah, that's what they're hoping to do with it because you end up with some tiny, tiny little one word in there that the UCP will campaign against and be like, yeah, we don't like that particular phrasing, therefore we're against it. But that doesn't mean that we're not against sentiment of supporting women. Uh-uh, uh It's just that one line. And
1: as it goes through its readings, I think we're going to have some really interesting, uh, you know, com- comments to watch and see yeah. where what people say because you're in a situation, too, where uh, it sounds like the UCP will do a free vote, so you will see how people vote. But on this
3: issue, I've got to ask you, what has the UCP said? You've talked to Nixon about yeah, this. Right. It's interesting, so the, 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 the evolving response to this right
1: bill. and yeah so um i asked nixon first about this like three weeks ago when notley said that they were considering legislation and nixon said it's a hypothetical bill at this point so ucp's not commenting um then i also asked uh jason kenney about it and he said something similar uh though he he said i don't talk about hy- hypotheticals it's a hypothetical bill um and they had to look at it before they made a comment and then once the bill actually was tabled and we asked for UCP comment they said uh, we haven't had time to look at it thoroughly when we do there will be um, a position so I think next week the UCP is is going to have to answer the questions of you know where does the where does the party stand on this Um, obviously they're all they'll probably I'm assuming they'll go back to their um, their line they've thrown out quite a lot we're forming our policy at the May convention as well um, potentially but yeah I think they I, I mean it's it's not in their interest to wade into this issue so I think they'll avoid it as much as possible yeah
2: I I, I don't know that they're going to be able to help themselves you know the, the problem here is twofold one I have a very real fear that this might actually incite more protest around a clinic that has been very quiet for most of the last decade uh and as soon as you tell people well you can't You know you can't do this thing are they going to have a giant protest exactly 50 meters away Uh, I think in the short term there's a potential that you stir something up uh, that that could be quite detrimental to the people who access that clinic both to work it and and to receive services the other thing is you know Claire says 75% of abortions are performed at the Kensington and at women's health options I, th- I suspect the number is even higher because you can't get an abortion in most parts of this province. I mean, if you are a woman with an unwanted pregnancy and you live in Red Deer or Fort McMurray or Lethbridge or Medicine Hat, you are SOL. You have to travel to either Edmonton or Calgary. You have to find the money, find the time, find the way to be discreet about it. Uh, you, you cannot get an abortion service in your hometown. Grand Prairie does a little bit of abortion, I think there's one physician who provides that service out of the Grand Prairie Hospital. And there's a very, very small amount of late of, you know, medically necessary abortions that happen at the Royal Alec and I think at one other Calgary hospital. Uh, for, but those are but those are the ones where there's a catastrophic health reason. The mother's life is at risk. The the baby is dying in utero. Um, so if you if you want a, an early term abortion uh, really you are left with those two clinics
1: i and i think what's interesting about the legislation is that that actually it may be helpful for people in rural areas you could hope um because part of it is also uh, doctors can who who perform abortions can apply for 20 meter um 20-meter buffer zones around their own clinics as well, so if it's an issue in Grand Prairie. But anyway, that's the justification from the NDP that you could actually help doctors perform more, perhaps because they are able to create these buffer zones around their clinics. Um, On the point of like the political trap potentially, um, we did ask Sarah Hoffman about that yesterday and she was very careful to say uh, you know the driver of my motivation is women 's health and and then we asked you know why haven't why didn 't you bring this into place like two years ago or three years ago um, and uh, and she said well i 'm able to do it now so
2: a couple of years ago when I was doing a story about abortion access, I spent a day at women 's health options, and you know I was in the waiting room and i was i didn't i didn 't talk to people who 'd come for procedures. I talked to the staff and i and I observed. And it was such a supportive, peaceful place. It was unlike any medical clinic I'd ever been in. It was, the care was so tender and so gentle. And the whole atmosphere in the building was designed to feel as unclinical as possible. And I I came out of there, you know, like any, I think like most thinking people, uh, I'm conflicted about abortion at some level. I absolutely fundamentally support a woman's right to choose, but it's a very difficult choice to make. And I was so impressed by the caliber of the facility and of the staff that were there. And, you know, I I, I wish that some people who are so vehemently pro pro life could spend some time inside and talk to the staff. And, and read the stories because they have a book there where they invite women to write stories. And, you know, I, I always remember there was one woman who wrote a love letter to her child, and she said, you know, I love you, and, you know, and explained that, that you know, she'd been raped and that this was a thing that she just couldn't, you know, she, she couldn't go through. Um, and I thought to be inside that building is to understand the humanity at the center of every time a woman chooses to terminate a pregnancy, the personal story, the personal tragedy, the personal choice that she's made, that she's weighed those factors. And, you know, it, it pains me in some ways to think that we're going to make this into a political football when this should just be understood 30 years after Morgan Toller, that this is a necessary part of human health and, and the care of our humanity.
3: But then going back to politics, like I'm interjecting again, crass politics into this, and uh, moving from being a skeptic to a cynic, I think you go back to the idea that Paula raised about being maybe more protests. I think my cynical side is thinking the NDP would not be heartbroken, heartbroken to see protests outside that uh, clinic Mm -hmm. and and hoping to draw the UCP into a trap and hoping to, this is, look, we're, we're a year away from the next election. It's a red zone. And politics tends to stomp on everything in terms of you know common sense, perhaps and even decency. Politics, when especially when a party has uh, got us back to the wall, will be looking at anything they can possibly do to trap the opposition. And
1: especially with the opposition, you know, with so few women also as um, MLAs for the UCP, I feel like for the NDP to focus on a woman's health issue. I mean, makes sense if they're trying to recruit more female candidates and win the female vote.
0: Another couple of bills, just briefly. No, let's talk about the local food bill, I guess. Everyone just like, eh, it's a thing. It's actually kind of interesting, though. I mean, it's something that isn't going to cost the government pretty much any money and they can say, hey, look, we have got this. Uh, so it's creating a Alberta Local Food Week. Ah, who loves Alberta Local Food? Me.
1: I go to farmers' markets. Well,
0: that's another part of it. Did you know? Did you know? I didn't know this until yesterday. That Albertans buy like one billion dollars worth of
2: food at farmers' markets and direct from farms every year. And and I w- would like to say that I'm responsible for a disproportionate <laughs> share of that. Uh, I don't. I don't think my family would be the tiniest
0: bit shocked if. they <laughs> But it's an interesting little bill. It's just one of those little tiny things that is just kind of interesting, I think. Um, Graham, you didn't seem particularly excited about an Alberta local oh no. You hate Alberta. <gasps> Graham Thompson.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've been outed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's that's, no, that's, that's fine. It's that's a nice little bill. This, to me, it shows the fact that um, all the, the major issues, the NDPs done the heavy lifting in previous years,
1: mm-hmm. this
3: is a year where they're into, again, the red zone, heading into an election. There's not a lot of things to do in this spring sitting the legislature left for them to actually lift.
0: And if you can do stuff that doesn't cost you anything, that maybe not? might win you some favor in the rural areas.
3: And has Emma talking about Alberta Food Week.
0: Can I just say I really like Alberta lentils? Yeah, you've yeah, said you, that many times. Are you are you in
2: the pocket of Big Lentil, like my friend, friend of Andrew Leach? Yes,
0: we're all in the pocket of Big Lentil secretly, aren't we? Oh, the other part of this bill—they're forming a local food council. Most of the meetings will be done via Skype because I don't want to spend a bunch of money on uh, on travel. They'll get some money for meals and stuff, but it's apparently not going to cost very much at all. They're going to come up with recommendations to Kalia within a year about stuff that's going to help the local food economy even more. But another little part of this is developing Alberta-specific. Um, well Alberta organic food regulations they're just going to adopt the federal ones but right now if you have um, organic food and you only produce and sell in Alberta you can't label it as organic because there are no uh, there are oh, no that. Yeah, there are no standards right now in just Alberta because it's all federally regulated Oh I see so mm. if so
2: if you have a market garden and you're only selling your rutabagas yes. on 104th street mm-hmm. um, you can't call them organic Nope. That's fascinating. And I mean, now, I mean. See, see, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we learn here on the Press Gallery. (laughs) You probably could, but you couldn't technically, Ah. technically call them. I see. It couldn't be capital O organic.
0: Yeah. So now that's uh, that's another thing they're going to bring in. So hooray, local food. Hashtag organic. (laughs) When does the farmer's market start? In May, I think, No, it's open. The old
1: Strathcona one I've been going to
2: on Oh,
0: no, I meant the downtown one. Uh, Yeah, and and it's open
2: in City Hall right now, but it it goes outside the May long weekend, Victoria Day.
0: Oh, is that when it is? Yep. I I should always ask you,
2: Paula. You know everything (laughs) about farmer's markets. Sometimes they they asked me once to ring the bell (laughs) to be be the celebrity who opened the market. It was really cool. Was that pretty much the highlight of your journalism career? That's right, yes. (laughs) That
0: was peak Paula. (laughs) Okay, now I want to move on to the other bills, 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 real cash money bills, party fundraising. So the NDP, it topped 2017, but worth noting, the UCP's only been around for six months, and uh, the UCP was only about $100,000 behind The NDP. Well, and I
2: and I saw people saying, "Well, you see, if you add up the Progressive Conservative and the UCP, then it's more than the." It's like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't count. That's shoddy math,
0: but I mean, you know, it does give you an idea about how much people are donating to the UCP. Graham, were you surprised to see any of these figures that came out yesterday with elections Alberta? No, I, I I
3: was very impressed that the UCP could do that in five months. Basically, they could almost tie the the NDP. 12 months, they had five months, and um, I I think, though, you're right, you just can't add up the the Wild Rose, the PC, and the UCP. You get an idea of the total money, though. Um, Of course, some of the money from the PCs was transferred from local constituencies into the main batch. It gets complicated, but you can imagine how well the UCP will do over this year moving forward. And so there's going to be a really big push on for the the NDP to try and counter that. See, right now, I think we we probably all um, are on the mailing list for various parties on the fundraising because we're journalists, see what they're up to. Not that we give money to them. But we do see <laughs> the pressure that they give or put on their members, and all also the, time. the
1: calls, right? I've been getting messages on my cell phone. Oh yeah, yeah. From uh, the
0: NDP, had some calls go out. Um, Jason Kenny had a call go out about a town hall.
3: So it's, it's going to get more and more frantic mm-hmm. this year <laughs> as they head into the election.
2: <laughs> Are we in the red zone? I think we're in. Are some we sort in the red zone? zone?
3: I think it's a color. It's <laughs> not blue or green.
2: So I, sp- I spoke with Rory. I, I think we're still in the pink zone. Really. I mean,
3: you know. I, th- I think the pink zone goes all year for the NDP. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. I spoke with Rory Richardson, who's the NDP provincial secretary, and I said, "Hey, so are you not worried though? I mean, you managed to only just scrape by the UCP, which has only been around for six months." And he went, "Oh no, no, gosh, no! Why would I be worried about that? You know, there's a certain amount, x number of dollars that we're trying to get into the war chest, and we're hitting those targets, no problem. Like, hey, what's so what? What's your war chest target?" He's like, <laughs> "I'm not telling yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you that, Emma." So I asked Janice Harrington the same thing, like, "Well, what?" And she is the UCP. Um, executive director and she said that she was absolutely just floored by how much money they managed to pull in this year even she wasn't expecting it to be that much so apparently they had set uh, the UCP had set some vague kind of not targets but of kind of an, well, I guess it probably was a target but it, this idea they looked back at Wild Rose and PCs looked how much money that they had managed to bring in and then did some I don't know political math on it, and came up with a target figure. And she said that they, um, they got more than they were more than they were expecting, and are on target to continue making a ton
2: of cash. And of course, in in the spirit of the complete lack of cynicism that we've already demonstrated, there, was, <laughs> there would be no reason to doubt. The veracity of that statement at all? No, <laughs> no.
3: Uh,
0: <laughs> what are you talking
2: about, Paula?
3: What's well, really interesting, though, for all the parties, is because the government changed the um, the law mm-hmm. in 2015, which meant that there's no um, money allowed to be contributed by corporations and unions. The big issue was corporations and the PCs, which means they've got to go to get money from a lot of people, as opposed to the PCs or the UCP walking down the street to a big corporation and getting. A ton of money they've got to go out there and knock on the doors, so to speak of, of everybody in the province to try and get a bit of money from a lot more people.
0: I did ask both the um, both Janice and uh, Rory about that very question. How has that four thousand dollar limit and the difference has it made a difference? It was interesting hearing very different responses. I mean you might expect that, but it was so Roy Richardson from the NDP told me that um he actually thinks it helps because... Of course, he's going to say that's his own government's policy, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, he said that it's a target that people can... He feels it's a target that people can see. They can they can visualise $4,000 as opposed to no limit or $30,000. That's a hard kind of f- target for people to, to, to visualise and get their heads around, so it was hard to get people at the um, top limit of what they could give. Janice Harrington from the UCP said... It's just very different now It's just very different how we have to do things It used to be that they would sell tables To um, companies and corporations And have these giant events Or
3: talk to the owner of the Oilers And ask him <laughs> and his family
0: <laughs> Or to that give
3: a whack of money
0: Or that, you know And so so now they're having and all his family events. Each
2: and every one of his Yes, well, Of
3: course and, and they all got involved <laughs> And all gave the maximum they could possibly give Right before the election in 2012, yes.
0: Oh, Alberta. Oh, Alberta. So anyway, she said, well, now it's very different. We have smaller events and because you, you don't want to be charging. it, Smaller, cheaper events is what they have to have now because you, people can only have a $4,000 limit, and they have to, like, hit that limit. So they want to get them at lots of different events, and maybe then they can throw another non-receipted cash into a bucket like they did with the UCP when they were uh well, the Unity thing. Does any of that stuff get tracked? It never did, did it? Only receipted donations, right? And then what? other stuff comes in fundraising. So you could
2: just, like, put hundreds of dollars in a...
3: And I'm trying... Well, to, and I never saw but that. I well, to, because it's because people, happened in the past. The people are not going to be
2: so inclined to do that in large sums because the amount of the tax, the tax mm-hmm. break that you get... Exactly, 75%. Pli- 70, I mean, I mean, you know, they ask you for $4,000. Well, you're going to get 3000 back. Um, it's a. That's a pretty good... That's. A, I mean, I have never made a donation to a political party ever in my life because I am a journalist. But every time I think about that, I just get mad. It's like, well, so I can donate to a charity and I don't get nearly that large uh, an amount back. But- Interesting point
0: on that. When you look at the list of people who have donated to the parties, uh, so Stephen Harper donated the full four thousand dollars to the UCP. Jason Kenny has not made a donation to the UCP at all. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, that I could money find. Money on a very large truck. Well, he did make a $2,000 donation to the PCs. Rachel Notley donated 3600 bucks to the NDP, which is less than a bunch of staffers who all donated the full $4,000. <laughs> so that kind of made me giggle. Um, I was also surprised that the Alberta Party's fundraising wasn't as high as I'd expected because the Alberta Party actually came below the Liberals when it came to their
2: fundraising. Well, I, th- I think that will change now that Stephen Mandel is the leader. Yeah. That will change. So we'll keep we'll our see eye that, on 2018. See that, in, see that in the next set of numbers. Yeah. Um,
0: the pro-life party, they, uh, they raised uh, a couple hundred bucks, but they also put their documents in late. There was a big disclaimer on the front of their online thing saying, they don't did it late by uh, Elections Alberta. The communists made a couple hundred bucks. The Green Party, much the same.
3: The Alberta Advantage Party.
0: Alberta Advantage Party uh, didn't raise any money, but I think... Oh no, 150 bucks maybe.
3: Yeah, these are the people who actually, the, these are the, the, the disgruntled Wild Rose. Wild Rose 2.0. Mm. Who didn't like the 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 unification with the PCs yes.
1: and just had their election election for a leader in Red Deer recently. As, as, as I say, Red
2: Deer <laughs> making making the money, putting putting out the bucket, collecting the cash since 2015.
0: <laughs> oh bless. Anything else we want to talk about? Doesn't
2: Graham want to talk about Rachel least trip?
3: <laughs> it's a running joke between uh, uh, my colleague and I. Uh, Emma doesn't think the trips are worth noting at all, and I always that say,
0: "That's
3: not what I say." <laughs> okay, well, fine. You weren't going to bring this up. It wasn't it wasn't on the list Thanks, of things Paula. to do. It <laughs> wasn't on the list of things to talk about. I thought I'm going to follow your lead, Emma, for once, and just <laughs> I'll be I'll be deferential to to your lead. <laughs> I think when the premier goes out of town, it's actually an important thing to talk about. She's the premier of the province. She's going to New York this weekend on Sunday and Monday. Selling, and then
2: selling pipelines.
3: Exactly. Uh, and then um, I propose Tuesday we talk about this
0: next week, but you go ahead, Graham.
3: Keep on going. I'm well, saying says. in advance, she's going to go there on Tuesday <laughs> as well to Toronto. And this is her way of trying to, get, again, wave the flag and saying she's standing up for Alberta. Chance to get out of the house because um, out of the house <laughs> means both out of the house <laughs> and out of the house. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Because the thing in a question period now is if the comes to a running joke, you've got the questions from Jason Kenney, which is basically carbon tax bad. And her response is if you were in government, you'd be shutting down government and laying people off. Yeah. That basically That's every single every question. Every single period. question and answer. And the answers are never. Here's the government position. The answers from all the ministers basically if you were in government, you'd be shutting down hospitals and laying off teachers. And it comes from basically every minister on any question with any topic comes back to them attacking the UCP.
0: It even comes from puffball answers. Because they rewrite the answers to those, obviously, from NDP backbenchers. And then they'll, they'll be like, and I would just like to note that the opposition would make terrible <laughs> cuts. And it's like, oh, man, this is a puffball. It's painful enough. Must you do that as well? Jason Kenny, fun fact yesterday in a Question Period, he asked all but two questions on the UCP side. And he was very, very sick. And I don't know how he managed to actually talk. But there you have it, all but two questions. That's a new thing that he's doing—is hijacking a bunch of questions. Yeah, periods. normally
3: it's the leader does the first few questions, and then the uh, the backbenchers in the opposition ask questions. And in fact, under the Wild Rose, with Brian Jean, they made a point of having the backbenchers ask questions. Yes. So it wasn't just about Brian Jean. The UCP. Oh, we see how well
2: that worked for Brian. Well, Jean. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thing oh, is, it's a, di- a different
3: Jean. kind of leadership. <laughs> Uh, and now well, it's I
2: mean, all <laughs> it, it is good leadership i mean i, I mean I, I actually commend Brian Jean for doing that i think I, but but it was but having it, said that having said that yes
3: and now it 's all about Jason Kenny, you know he controls that yep. caucus it 's getting 's relatively quiet in question period. The government tends to heckle the opposition, the opposition does not tend to heckle the government they 're a lot more um, restrained yeah, we t- We talked about this earlier a few weeks ago when Kenny became an MLA in the House leader of the opposition and he's made an order that these guys the opposition does not thump desk, applaud or heckle the government
2: I think it's so boring I like thumping
0: yeah their something's fun
2: <laughs> on that note
0: let's move over to our regular segment good stuff from the gallery no, sorry
2: that was that was me thumping the desk in case, <laughs> in case I didn't read on radio <laughs>
0: Our listeners are very intelligent, I'm sure they could have (laughs) worked it out, but thank you for clarifying. Good stuff from the gallery, which we recommend stuff that we've read or listened to or seen lately that we think you dear listeners might also enjoy. Clancy, what do you have for us, mate?
1: I'll recommend my newest favorite podcast. Oh, which plenty I, you're recommending a podcast. That's such not a Letfield. shocker! Um, <laughs> I just finished the last episode this morning, actually, on my frigid walk to work. Um, it's called Making Obama, and it's the second season of a show that I also loved called Making Oprah, out of the radio station WBEZ in Chicago. And basically, it's six episodes, um, really fantastic interviews with everyone who um, knew Obama during his um, while well, he was like a political organizer. And And uh, it follows the start of his career after graduating from Harvard to um, the 2004 speech at the DNC. So it's kind of his formative years. Really awesome listen. And I would highly recommend it. Nice.
2: Paula? I've just finished watching Collateral, which is this remarkable political thriller. It's a a co-production of BBC and Netflix written by Sir David Hare. Um, And it's about... Um, you know, one one of the main characters is a, a member of the Labour shadow cabinet, uh, whose ex-wife is caught up in a murder, and it's uh, a look at sort of uh, racial tensions in Britain. Uh, as this, I mean, this is set sometime in an imaginary future uh, in which people are coping with the uh, influx of refugees, and uh, you know how how that might redefine what it means to be British. Anyway, it's it's a really really well done and it's one of those like, tight British shows four episodes four hours uh, you can binge watch it and it's great
0: I'm going to recommend a piece from The New Yorker I got a really good deal on a subscription so now I get New Yorker magazine um, Inside California's War on Trump and it's a really 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 interesting, in-depth look at this uh, this war that's brewing uh, between Governor Jerry Brown and the president. And, of course, Trump went there. There's all stuff happening with the wall. Jerry Brown is not impressed. And the uh, reporter goes and talks a lot to Jerry Brown about his interactions and his thoughts on Trump and the background of his own po- politics, which, which is also anti establishmentism anti-establishmentarianism. I mean, Jer- Jerry Brown,
2: <laughs> I mean, it's the most fascinating story, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was... He was, you know, retired, had left the political stage. Came back, had this amazing triumph, California's, you know, budget and economy. Uh,
0: Completely turned around. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and yeah.
2: it's astonishing, right? Because he was a, a lefty who's fixed the economy. It's <laughs> So,
0: yeah, it's great piece. Very interesting to read. Uh, Graham, take us on.
3: Um, okay, it's from Vanity Fair. It's called The Clock is Ticking Inside the Worst U.S. Maritime Disaster in Decades, subheading. A recording salvaged from three miles deep tells the story of the doomed El Fargo a cargo ship engulfed by a hurricane. It's not a political story. It's just a really well-done piece where they salvaged the last 24 hours recording on the bridge of a ship that sank in a hurricane three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, just and it makes the people come alive. All of a sudden, it's not just people who, you know, like names, like 32, 32 I think, died in this ship. No one survived. Mm-hmm. But actually... Uh, this is actually a chronology in the last hours, minutes of the uh, the ship going down. It is fascinating. Really well done.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Clancy, Paula, Graham, and Greg, who is here to film some of this and put it online. Okay, sorry. dump <laughs> the desk, thank you, in the spirit of, of the podcast. Some honorable members. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> He's going to film, he's going to put some of this online at uh, EdmontonJournal.com, where you can, of course, find all the previous episodes of the Press Gallery. Do also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we will hopefully, no, what? Of course, we'll be here this time next week for another episode of the Press Gallery.